0: Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond of the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to have you here once again on a great and glorious day in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is an online expository teaching in the Word of God, uh, made available through Raven Ministries International. If you uh, uh, are not familiar with Raven Ministries, you can go to www.biggrace.com and get further information uh, on Raven Ministries. And I encourage you, if you're in a different part of the country, we'd love to know what God is doing uh, in you or in your ministry, in your church, and uh, You can connect with some of our people by clicking on Raven Nation at the bottom of our BigGrace.com page. We'd love to know what's happening with you. Uh, we're actually going to be in our 116th class today in this expository teaching in the Book of Romans. But if you've missed any of our previous classes, you can actually go to our website at BigGrace.com and click on Raven Magazine and download those classes in MP3 format, all of those up to 115, I believe are now on the website if y'all hear anything in the background sometimes deb forgets that this microphone on our recording picks up her laughing at y'all in the back so i just thought i'd bring that up in case you hear that she's over here making all these noises forgets that this isn't a unidirectional mic this is omnidirectional so we actually have crowd noise with us here today from deb our studio uh what do we call you In the control booth, we call Raven Dev in the control booth. You're live, you always see her right there in the control booth. So good to have all of you here today, and it's glad to be here. Good to have uh, Brother Ivan with Walk for Christ uh brother ivan operates out of the hollywood california area got a tremendous ministry you can actually go and check out walk for christ at www.walkforchrist.com we were down with them for their walk in november and we were just with them this past weekend down in miami for an outreach in the winwood area good brother in jesus he's going to be joining us in new orleans february 1st through the 5th and so you guys that get to look at uh brother ivan his smiling face right there and that nice yellow shirt that's shining bright like the sun today you'll get to see him face to face and uh Get to see how much he loves Jesus and his desire for that. So good to have you, Brother Ivan, and all you guys down there in South Florida. Hope you're having a great day in Jesus. You know, God is doing some tremendous things. I'm really blessed because I got, I got two Fridays this week. If you'll remember yesterday, I thought, for some reason, I thought it was Friday all morning. I, got, I began to talk about our Monday class and whatever, but Deb uh, informed me that, uh, as she does off camera that it was not Friday; that it was Thursday. And I said, "Look how Jesus is." Gave me an extra. I'm always talking about Lord God. I wish I just had more hours in the day. And He not only gave me more hours; He gave me a full 24 hours. And so I feel special in Jesus today. So uh, good to have all of you here today. And we're just going to go to the Lord in prayer today and just ask for the good. Good to see you, Rick. on Rick just joined us from Colorado as well. Good to have you here as well, my brother. But we're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning and just ask God's blessing and uh, direction on the class today. As we're here in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, and also for those that have been sick in their body. So folks, listen, turn to the, uh, the to your uh, Bible in Romans chapter 8 as we begin to pray, but we're going to begin to pray also for those that have been sick in body and need a breakthrough. I know that Deb just said that my mother and father in Texas just uh, put a comment in, needed prayer for, help me here sis, needed prayer for uh, my sister Kim and her husband. She's, Kim's, Kim's going to have to have uh, surgery possibly for a hernia, and what was the other one? There were some. There were some. Some uh, relatives of mine in New Mexico that they lost. Yeah, my cousin J.R. Mijo lost his father-in-law yeah. to cancer. And my brother-in-law Joe Romero. Pray for my brother-in-law. Okay. And Janet Cofield right here in Texas. Anyway, we're going to pray for them. If you've got specific prayer prayer needs as well, we'll just lift them up. And we pray for Wanda as well. She's been having some physical problems as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for today's class. And just believe God for a blessing on that as well as a, a physical breakthrough for you. Father, we just come to you right now in the precious name of your son Jesus. And we just ask you, Lord God, for you just right now just to pour out your power and strength and mercy. Lord God, Father, we thank you that you can do everything but fail, Lord God. That there's an empowerment in the cross of Calvary and in the blood of Jesus. Lord God, that, that, Lord God, that can do all things, Lord God. So, Father, we just come to you, Lord God, humbly, Lord God, and we know that we have access, Lord God, into your throne room of grace and mercy, where we can obtain help in our time of need. And so today, Lord Jesus, we just stand together and we press into that place, Lord God, that place, place of, of, of breakthrough, Lord God, that place of victory, Lord God, because we know the word has told us that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And we just ask you, Lord God, to increase our faith today as we're just dependent upon you. Father, we just ask you to search our hearts and our lives today, if there's being. Any uh, any unconfessed sin, Lord God, any any uh, uh, lack of forgiveness or any bitterness towards anyone, Lord Jesus, we just lay those things down, Lord God, at your altar today, and we just ask you to cleanse us and to forgive us, Lord God, Father. Whatever there would be in our hearts and lives, Lord God, that would impede the power of the presence of God of moving in us and in, in, in majesty and in power, Lord God, and, or allowing us, Lord God, to, to to receive and absorb the Word of Truth, Lord God. We just ask that any of those things would be obliterated today, Lord God, as we bring them to you, because the Word says if we're faithful to confess our sin, that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and for the mercy, Lord God, that was afforded us through the cross of Calvary. Father, we pray, Lord God, for all those prayer needs, Lord God, for those people that have been suffering physically, Lord God, that for Joe and Kim Romero, Lord God, even as she and he prepare both for surgeries, Lord God, we just pray, Lord God, that you would just allow them, Lord God, to be able to avoid the surgeries altogether. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you're the great physician, but you're a skilled surgeon, Lord God, that's able to heal, Lord God, and restore. And we're just asking for creative miracles today. Father, we pray for Jeanette Cofield, Lord God, the physical things that she's been going through. We just ask, Lord God, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, Lord God, that you would just touch every system in her physical body and bring that in alignment, Lord God, with your word. And, Lord God, with the finished work of the cross, Lord God, with every stripe, Lord God, that was laid upon you. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that healing has been laid upon her, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray, Lord God, for the Armijo family who lost their... J. Armijo lost his father-in-law, Lord God. We pray that in this situation, Lord God, that you would bring comfort, Lord God, to He and, and, and His wife, Rosa, Lord God, and their, their children, Lord God, and the family. Lord God, that you would just be glorified in this, Lord God, because they, they, they would take the opportunity to preach the gospel, and they would see, Lord God, the frailty of life, and this just but of vapor, Lord God. It's here one moment and gone the next. And they would take that opportunity, Lord God, that, uh, to, to, to preach the truth, Lord God. To their friends and to their family. And if they're not right, Lord God, with you, that they would get right as well in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just ask for your blessing on this teaching today. We just ask in Jesus' name that you would just cause the, 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 the Spirit of God to just be poured out in a, in a tremendous way, Lord God. In our teaching, just give us, Lord God, understanding, Lord God, and just cause it to be fruitful in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen. I'm going to touch that sound just a little bit to make sure you got it. It is good now, they said. I've got to go a little over the top. I'll go over the top with it, but we should be fine. Anyway, folks, yesterday we discussed literally and how that at the fall all creation literally fell with Adam. If you'll remember yesterday, if you, uh, that's, that's actually uploaded to the website now and you can get that on class 15. And we're talking about just uh, when, when everything failed, that with that Adam failed, creation fell with him. And there's just been this collective groan that's coming out of the world. That when we look at the hurricanes and the, uh, the tornadoes and the earthquakes and the tsunamis and all these things, those things are just the repercussions of sin entering into the world. So many times we think that our sin regardless of what it is doesn't have any effect on, on anything or anyone else but folks listen even as the body were the we're the body fitly joined together and so anything in creation that we're connected to is going to have that effect uh, a negative effect if sin is involved and so when Adam fell that that which uh, much of what we're seeing today by way of natural disasters are the fruit and the consequence of that fall yet we went on to talk about there is a hope not only for mankind not for you and I to be redeemed from the the the, the, the curse of the law, but there's also going to be uh, one day going to be a new heaven and a new earth and and that the effects of the fall will become just literally a distant memory and everything's going to be made new. We talked about the lion laying down with the lamb and and uh, the, the child being able to play over a snake den and not being bitten. And that's the restoration that's going to come when Christ Jesus returns and establishes His kingdom here upon this earth. And so the next verse of Scripture here in Romans chapter 8 is really an exciting passage because, once again, what it does, it, it brings the promises and the victories uh, of the Word of God to light and it really exposes some tremendous things that you and I have. And so I want to read to you Romans chapter 8, verse 26 today. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. And here's what it says to us. It says, Likewise, the Spirit itself also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought to, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I'm going to read that again because you cannot miss what God wants us to to hear in His Word today. Likewise, the Spirit itself helps our infirmities because we do not know what we should pray as we ought to, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Folks, listen, that word, likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities, it really reveals several things to us. You can put one, two, three down today. i want to give you uh, two or three things that really that that reveals to us that you need to get hold of. And we've been talking about from the onset of chapter 8, about this freedom and this victory that we have in Christ Jesus. That there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so the kicker in all that and the key is not walking in the flesh, not walking under the domination of the sin nature, but learning how to come in agreement with and under the the authority of the, 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 the divine nature that was imparted or imputed to us through faith in the finished work of the cross. And so, you're never going to see any of these victories unless you're walking in the Spirit. You're always going to walk in condemnation, and at, at the very best you're going to try to fulfill something through self-righteousness or through self-effort or, 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 or self-discovery or whatever it may be, or something positive. But you will never see a victory in Christ Jesus in your spiritual life apart from, from walking in the Spirit and walking in obedience to the protocol that God has established in His Word. And so, really, first of all, I'm going to put number one, it reveals something that's probably difficult uh, for many people to comprehend or to believe in, or it might be a better way of expressing it because what this is saying that with all of the lives and with all of the things going on in the world that God is concerned with us personally. you hear what I'm saying? It's saying that the Spirit helps whose infirmities? Your neighbor's infirmities? Helps your somebody else. It says it helps our infirmities. God is concerned about you. I don't care where you come from. To here, we have people literally from from all over the world that that, that tune in or or, or or with us in this and the delayed broadcast. Thousands of people, pastors all over the in the Middle East and in, in in the the far and near East and in Africa and and obviously all over North America. But listen, regardless of where you're at, the God's care for you and God's heart for you is, is not divided by by time zone or or nationality or anything. God is concerned with you, and so what Paul the apostle is is laying out the framework literally for the doctrines of the new covenant. He says there's no condemnation. He starts that in verse 1. But then he goes on to say in verse 26, he says, listen, the Spirit of God is concerned about you. I don't care what you're going through. Maybe you're going through a difficult time in your physical body. God cares about you. Maybe you're having a struggle in your marriage or a relationship. God cares about you. Maybe today you're you're wondering whether the the financial resources to meet your, your needs or even the basic needs of your family and food and whatnot. God cares about you. And so what he's saying is the Spirit has come into our hearts and into our lives, into this place, and he's made himself available because he cares about us. And so when he, when he cares about us, it's saying that with all the things going on, that, that you are not something so small that God does not notice. And so, folks, listen. The God of the universe has chosen to be concerned with you as an individual. And there's no other person. I want you to hear this this morning. There is no other person that he loves more or is more concerned about than you. Okay, You need to get that in your heart. And you need to say that probably on a regular basis. Say, God, you know what? I thank you that there is no one else in this world that you're more concerned about than you are with me. So sometimes we forget about that. We think that God is more concerned about someone else or we see something happening or someone else getting blessed. Folks, listen. God loves you with an everlasting love. That He does not have some pecking order of His children. God loves you. And He has chosen... In His omnipresence, in other words, that omni-attribute that allows Him to be everywhere at the same time, to be equally indwelled with you to the degree that He indwells even those who would appear so great in the kingdom. Now think about that. Maybe there's some heroes of the faith that, you, that you've looked up to, or maybe somebody you've watched on television, or somebody that you know that's at a pulpit. Folks, listen. The Spirit of God doesn't indwell them any greater than he indwells you. The same, the, the same spirit that, 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 was, was in Christ is in them, and the same spirit that's in them is inside of you. God doesn't say, well, that person's got this particular role. You are just as valuable to him as the missionary who would go and see whole countries changed for the, by, by the power of God for the kingdom of heaven. You're as valuable to him as that pastor that leads a congregation of thousands of people each and every single week. And if we get to that point that shows that, man, we have such a powerful role, and we know never know what, what part of that link that we are. You know, I've said many times that there was one person that, that shared the gospel with me and I got radically born again and saw my life change and transform, never to look back, never to backslide. Now, that one person was important. Why? Because as a result of that one person's obedience through the Spirit of God speaking to them and dwelling in their life... I've had the ability to see thousands upon thousands of people come into the kingdom. And so folks, we don't know what our role is. But one thing we do know, we know the value and the importance that God puts upon every single one of us to the degree that, that He wants to come into our life. It says in Romans 2.11, and we studied this out in the second chapter, it says "God is in God there's no respect of a person. In other words, God is not saying, okay, there's the big uh, the big person over here that, that's got the huge congregation, or this person's got a television ministry, and there's But there's this this lady that may be a housewife and takes care of her children, but she prays and and, and she uh, witnesses over the fence to the, the other moms in the neighborhood. And she's just faithful to Jesus. Folks, listen. That, that role of that person that may have a more public persona is no greater than, than the role or the care or the desire or the love that God has for that weeping warrior that's back there praying and believing God and just sharing her faith in the grocery store or, or, or at a PTA meeting or anywhere else. That God is no respecter person. He is concerned about you. And so when it says in Romans 8.26 that the Spirit helps our infirmities. He's bringing it home. And he's saying, listen, whatever you're going through, you may say, well, God, you know what? You don't want to waste your time. Yes, it's no waste of time. You're important. And folks, listen, I, I've taught this in discipleship many times. You know, you get into a room with people and you're discipling them and teaching them. And, and sometimes people you know, will be sharing and people will be impatient with what they're saying and they'll try to talk over them or they won't be listening. Listen, a rule of thumb and something that God taught me is that if it's important enough for someone to say, it's important enough for us to hear. Because God has not, His ear is not short that He cannot hear. And so what He says to us, listen, my child, if it's important enough that you're concerned about it, it's important enough for me to do something about it. And we need to adopt that same type of mentality. I know that folks are real good about cutting at one another off and, and thinking, oh well, they already know what you're going to say or I know where you're going to go with that. So, you know, folks, listen, we need to hear people out. We need to be concerned about people and to, to, to demonstrate that same type of heart and compassionate and care as Christ Jesus did. Because He says, listen, His Spirit helps our infirmities. He's in concerned about you. And Luke chapter 15, verses 4-7 through 7 says this. He says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does he not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that one which is lost until he's able to find it? And it says, when he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner. How many? Over the 99? No, over that one that repents more than over the 99 just persons which need no repentance. Folks, listen. If you say to yourself, man, God is so busy, there's all these troubles that are happening in the world. There's wars and there's these breakdowns and these calamities that are happening in, in, the, in the church. Why does God care about me? God is willing to leave the 99 and go into the 1. Your problem may be small. You might have got up this morning and your car wouldn't turn over. God is concerned about you. God desires to, to, to come in and touch you and to impact you in a power life. So folks, listen. The prayers of those who lead nations are no more of a concern to God than those of a mother crying out for a child that's in rebellion. Do you hear me? And so that person that's a godly leader that cries out for the nations, listen, God is not hearing their prayers or does not put that on a priority list any higher than you if you're saying, you know, listen, my my son is in rebellion or my daughter is is falling away from you. God hears those prayers equally and it's His desire and good pleasure to answer those. Why? Because He is concerned and He sent the Spirit of God to help your infirmity. So the prayer of a mighty evangelist are no more concerned to God than those of just a hurting teenager. And so if you're a hurting teenager out there and you're saying, well, God's going to listen to that person because they're evangelists or God's going to listen to that person because they have a, a title in front of their, their name. God's not. He's concerned about you as a teenager. It's that teenager that, that just uh, doesn't know how to cope and they're cutting themselves or that teenager that's in, in sexual immorality and they're they're thinking, well, that's the only place I can get any type of acceptance and they're joining the wrong crowd. God is concerned with your prayer. He wants to help your infirmity. He is concerned so much about your trials. He's concerned so much about your hurts and, and your sickness and your desires to the degree... That that he chose to make a dwelling place for himself of you. Do you hear me? That's how concerned he is. He said, listen, I want, I'm so concerned with you that I want to move in with you. I want to be right there with you. How about about people that have have had people that were friends of those or maybe family members that were going through something that said, listen, I just want them to move in with me. I just want them to be right here so I can care for them. So what God's done, He said, listen, I'm going to move in with you. I'm going to get my spirit. I'm so concerned with what you're going through that I'm going to move into your life. I'm going to find you as a dwelling place. Folks, listen. The, 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 all of creation is His. He holds the universe in the span of His hand. If He would have been looking for something to occupy, He create, he could have created a, a, a dozen other planets. He could have created this, this celestial place for Him. But what He choose? According to, to John 14:17 and 1 Corinthians 3:16, He said, I've chosen to dwell inside of you. I want to call you my dwelling place. I want to call you my temple. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Where the power of God, where the glory of God, where the answer from God is the there to be made manifest. That's where it's at. You want to write that for John 14, 7 and 1 Corinthians 3, 16. So folks, listen. That's why we always ask people the question, uh, have you made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? Because it's a personal thing. The Spirit helps our infirmities. And so, unless He's operating in our lives on that personal level as a personal Lord and Savior then it is just dead religion folks and there's no life in it whatsoever and there's never going to be a victory And so many have, uh, have, have made the points to us that and we've shared the, the faith with on the streets and we've asked them we said to them are you walking with the Lord Jesus to, uh, Christ tonight we'll witness to somebody we'll come up to somebody we're about to talk to them about the Lord and we'll ask the question so are you walking with the Lord Jesus Christ tonight and what's interesting so many times they'll say stuff like oh I'm a Catholic or oh I'm a Baptist or yeah I was baptized or I go to church Now, that wasn't the question. The question is, are you walking with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is He operating in your life? And instead of having a personal relationship, what they do is they want to associate themselves with this organization. Well, I'm a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Presbyterian. Or I, I got baptized. Or yeah, I go to church. But there's nothing personal. Rather than say, oh yeah, I've been born again and you wouldn't believe the things that God is doing in my life. He's changed me, transformed me. Just this morning when I was praying, man, God began to speak to me. I got into God's Word. Folks, listen, you'll know people whether they got a personal relationship with the spirit that's desired to come and help their infirmities by what comes out of their heart and life. And so when it comes out of our life, it's personal. Man, this is what God has been saying. He says, his sheep know his voice and another they will not follow. And so when somebody says, man, what's the Lord been speaking to you lately? Man, we got to be rattling things off. Man, God has been sh- sharing this. God has been entrusting me with this word. God has been revealing some things to me. God has been having me pray about these type of things. And you can always tell when someone doesn't have that relationship. Well, you know, he, he really hasn't been saying anything lately. Well, What does that tell me? It tells me that they're not his sheep because his sheep hear his voice and they're not following another voice whether that's the, the voice of religion or that's the voice of self-righteousness or that's the voice of the sin nature or whatever it is they're responsive to the voice of God and they begin to speak in agreement with that theonustos that God breathed word that's been spoken unto them and so they, the sad thing is is that's where probably most professing Christians are today they think that, that being a Christian is joining some group or, or in following some tradition and they fail to see that the, the Holy Spirit spirit, literally, of the Lord God Almighty has chosen to take up residence in their very life. He wants to work in you. He wants to be in you. He wants to be empowered in and through your life. And so, because of this lack of understanding and really a personal experience with God, what they've done is they found it easy to walk in sin and under dominion and the control of that sin nature. Because in many cases unfortunately, they are not saved or born again at all. they have just bought into a religious trap devoid of any true and genuine relationship with God. And I want you to look at an example of this, about Him being with us and what this means to us in regards to the Spirit helps our infirmities. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 32. Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. He's talking about marriage here in this text, but really he's not. He's talking about his relationship with us. And folks, listen, before I got married 21 years ago, I couldn't understand this, but I tell you what, I understand it more and more every day, uh, every day now since Melian and I have been together and married for 21 years. But here's what it says. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it With the washing of the water by the Word. What are we doing today, folks? Listen, we are getting sanctified and built up and instructed by the washing of the water of the Word of God. "...that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, and even is the Lord of the church. For we are members of his body, of the flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined in his wife. And these two... got to catch this part. These two shall be one flesh." This is a great mystery, he said, but I speak concerning Christ... And the church. Folks, listen, the reason that it's so personal is because when Jesus Christ came into your life, He 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 embedded Himself in you. He became part of you. Just as He spoke about the bone of the bone and the flesh of the flesh, uh, husband and wife, He said, Listen, what I'm speaking of is my relationship with you. He said, You submit yourself to me. And he said, I want to care for you. I want to nurture you. I want to I want to pour myself into you. I want to be a strength to you. So, folks, listen, the Spirit comes literally and unites us with Christ Jesus by dwelling in us so that he can lead and guide us and transform us on a daily basis. Now listen, Melanie never has to wake up and think to herself you know what, man I wonder if if, if Troy's going to uh, be able to feed me today. I wonder if he's going to have a place for me to live today. She don't, she don't concern herself with that. If she's got a need you know what she does? She just says, honey here's what we need. We need this for the house. or we need, I need to get this from the grocery store or whatever else. And you know what I don't sit there and say, well you know what honey that's just not going to happen. She, she don't know. She, I, don't, I don't allow her to concern herself with those those basic needs that she has. What do I do? As her husband, as her provider, as the, the one that God has set over her, I take care of those needs. She don't ever She's not sitting somewhere thinking, you know what? Man, I hope the electricity stays on today. I don't need... No, she's not thinking that way. Why? Because she's got a caretaker. Someone's over them. Folks, listen. The one that, that watches over Israel, the Word of God says, neither sleeps nor slumbers. He has a desire for you. But you've got to come to that place of trusting in God with all your heart, with all your, your mind, all your soul and strength. You've got to, to come to that place where you're trusting Him, you're loving Him, and you're not depending upon the arm of your flesh. Then you're going to begin to see the realization of those promises. And so, we, we've got to unite with Him to see that transformation of that trust come out of our life. Then He goes on to say, it says the phrase that likewise the Spirit helps our infirmities also reveals that the Holy Spirit has come to help us. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't come up to, to judge you. He comes to come and help you. The, the, the Word of God says God judges no man, but He gives all judgment under the hand of His Son Jesus. And Jesus said that I've come not in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And so what He's done, He's come, that word help literally, what it does is it expresses the meaning of someone coming along and taking hold of one side of something that we're carrying. I don't want you to miss that. And so, folks, listen, let me ask you this. If you would, if you've got a question, if you would hold that off until the first hour, and I will because otherwise it becomes very distracting to those that are trying to hear. It. If you want to wait until the 10 o'clock hour, I will stay on here and answer any of your questions and we'll post a telephone number on there so specifically as that. So if you would, just take the time to hear what's said and your question may be answered in that in the process of us bringing out the Word of God. And so, here's what it says. The, the Spirit helps our infirmities and so it reveals that He is a help to us. And I want to give that definition again of help in the Greek. It literally means someone coming along and taking a hold of one side of something that we're carrying. And so if I want to pick up a sofa, I go and I reach down, I grab one side, and somebody grabs the other end. And so when the Spirit helps our infirmities, what He's doing, He's grabbing something that is too heavy for us to carry by ourselves. And so he's going and picking up the other end. Now, it doesn't say that he's brushing us off and he's saying, okay, I'll take care of that. But it, it means that he's literally coming beside us and picking up something. He's taking hold of it. And so what's interesting about that is that it doesn't say he takes the load from us uh, uh, or eliminated or carrying it all together. It implies that he came to share the weight to enable us to carry it. And so, folks, listen. Here's what's so important about this, and I think most sincere believers probably miss it. What this does is teach the believer trust and dependence and bringing him to a place of maturity without creating some lazy individual that won't lift a finger to do anything. Do I need to say that again? The Spirit helps our infirmity. He comes along and He picks up one end of it. But he, 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 He causes us to stay a hold of it as well. That way we don't become this lazy individual who never lifts a finger. Folks, listen. I know people, I've worked with people in the ministry that are always just sitting back waiting for something to happen. They're saying, well, if God will do this, then I'll do that. Folks, listen. God wants you to get up and get moving. I say all the time, you know, a hitchhiker, there's two ways to catch a ride. You can sit there with your spiritual thumb out and hope someone stops. Or you can stand in the middle of the highway. And even if you're in the highway, if you get run over, at least an ambulance is going to pick you up and take you where you need to go. And so, folks, listen, sometimes you've got to get smack dab in the middle of it and grab hold of the promises of God and believe Him that He is helping you. He's strengthening you. Not that you're going to sit back and say, well, you know what? If, if it's the Lord's will. I know what the Lord's will is. i got a book full of 66 uh, books of Scripture that tell me the Word of God. I don't have to sit back and say, well, you know what? I'll really go and do that. I'll just go and uh, I'm just going to wait and see if God will give you the answer. God has provided the answer. Now He's waiting for you to get up and to hear His voice and to take a hold of what He's taken a hold of and begin to walk with Him in strength. And so He helps us where we're weak and He becomes strong in order to strengthen us in our faith. And so look at 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10. 1 Peter 5:10. 1 Peter 5:10. It says but may the God of all peace who helped us to establish glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while perfect you establish you and strengthen you and settle you And so what He's doing is He's come to to this One that's called us into His eternal glory. This One that's called to dwell inside of us. He says, listen, the reason I've come to you, He said, I want to perfect you. I want to equip you. I want to get you ready. I want to establish you. And I want to strengthen you. And I want it to be settled inside of you. That way you're always confident in the presence of God. You're always confident in the hand of God. Then you're not worried and say, God, I wonder if He's going to show up. Folks, listen. I know one thing that I have learned over time to believe God. I remember years ago, and I, I may have shared this testimony in this forum with you. But when uh, Melanie, we were uh, living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and was in Bible college, she got very sick. And I had to literally come to a place of, of trusting God in, in the midst of not having any answers. I didn't have any groceries in the house. My wife was gone uh, in another city getting some medical care back with her family. And so I was there, and every single day I had to trust God that that somebody was going to show up and, and give me something to eat. And you know what? Every single day they did. I didn't have gas money, and so I put my last $5 in the tank, and for the next month I drove it, and the, the vehicle never ran out of gas. God protected us. God kept us in that. And so as a result of that, I'm, I'm conditioned to trust God. I know what he's done. I, I, Melly and I, our, our mantra has always been in our marriage. You know what? Even the things that started out bad have never ended up bad, that God has worked everything to the good of us because we love Him, and we're the called according to His purpose. And so regardless of what it looked like, all I've got to do is believe that the Spirit has helped our infirmities, that He has come alongside he, where I've been weak, that He has made me strong, where if I've had lack. He has come and filled in that gap where where I didn't have an uh, uh, answer. He has come and brought me understanding, and so he come to that place to establish strength and and settle me in those things. So, folks, listen. This help or strengthening has its goal our maturity. God wants to bring us to a place of a maturation process or a place that we're strengthened and we're built up, folks. But listen, here's the problem: is there's too many people who sit back and do nothing at all and wonder why God has not moved on their behalf. And so folks, listen, if the Holy Spirit has the other end of your problem and He is just there waiting for you to lift, that's it. He has picked up your problem, He's got it in His hands, and now all He's doing is crying and saying unto you to lift. John what 12.32 says, if He be lifted up, then He'll draw men to Him. And so what He's wanting you to do is you to begin to lift it up. Lift it up in prayer. Lift it up in thanksgiving. lift, Lift it up in hope. Lift it up in joy. Lift it up in obedience. And so your part is that light end. It's just trusting in Him. He's got the weight. He's got the burden. He's got the heavy part. But He's saying, listen, I'm not going to do anything until you grab a hold of it. Folks, listen, that's the same way as a father maybe training a son. He's like, listen, I want you to come out here and help me work on the car. Now, he knows the son doesn't know, but he wants the son to at least stand there and hold the wrenches. And the son may think, you know, why do I need to hold the wrench to set it there? Because the father's saying, you've got to be a part of this. And the son said, well, why don't you just fix my car for me? Because the father says, because you're not going to learn anything unless you're here getting greasy with me. And so it's the same thing with the kingdom, folks. Listen, he wants to hand us that wrench. He wants to hand us that tool. And he's going to say, okay, I want you to put it to that bolt. Okay, I want you to, to, to turn uh, turn that lever. And he said, now I want you to pour gas in that place. And here's where you put the oil. And that's what the Spirit of God does. He comes in and works in agreement with us. And so we've just got to Hold our end, which is the end of faith, and trust Him to bear the brunt of the load. It, folks, is literally. It's not like unlike. And I was thinking about Ruth out of uh, Ruth chapter two, where this Moabitress was was looking for food, and God directs her to the field belonging to Boaz, and he and and, and so he has one hold uh, end of one of her problem, and he led her to this gleaning field. But she still had to stoop down and gather the corn. She said, "I have a need. I'm hungry." And so he said, "Listen, I'm going to send you out." But she could have stood out there by the edge of this gleaning field and said listen, okay, corn hop in my basket. No, she didn't do that. He led her to that place. He directed her to that place where Boaz was and she began to gather up and pick up the corn. Folks, listen, what's happened though is God has led many people to the gleaming fields where the answer or the breakthrough is right before them but they will not bend down or lift their spiritual finger to get in agreement to where the Spirit of God uh, uh, has directed them. And then they shake their fist at heaven and they say that God has forsaken them. Folks, listen, I know way too many. Can I say way too many? I know way too many lazy Christians who want, 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 but never do, do, do. And so anything that God has told them, they just, they just sit on it. And they never do anything with it. And so they sit back and they complain about what's not happening instead of getting up and get in the middle of what is happening in the kingdom of God. And so if you're sitting there today, or if you're hearing this on delayed broadcast, and you're saying to yourself, listen, God, I want you to do something in my life. Well, God is waiting for you to get up and move. God is waiting for you to get up and obey. God is waiting for you to get up and pray. And if you're saying to yourself, well, God, I need a breakthrough, but, but you're sleeping until noon, which you're not, obviously, if you're a part of this class live today, but maybe God's wanting you to say, you need to get up an hour early and you need to begin to seek my face. I've got the end of the answer, but I'm just going to see if you're going to be faithful. Maybe uh, you need a breakthrough of healing, or you need a breakthrough restoration. And God is saying, well, I want you to to fast and pray. I want you to come away from the table for about the next three or four days. And I want you to just concentrate on me. I don't want you to concentrate on Burger King. I don't want you to concentrate on that big that rib shop down the street. I want you to concentrate and I want want to be your bread. I want to be your meat. I want to be your drink. And I want to focus on that. Folks, listen, He wants us just to pick up that end and to make that sacrificial obedience to Him. Then boom, what God's going to do is He's going to bring the breakthrough. He wants us to get in the middle of what He has said to do, then we're going to begin to see that the Spirit Himself helps our infirmities. I have people all the time who say things like, Man, I wish I could just do things like you do things. And folks, listen, I laugh at them all the time. Well, I want to, I want to know it like, like you know it. I want to be able to go witness or, or whatever else. I, I hear that and literally I laugh because I had a young man one time come up for prayer at one of our outreaches. He said, he said, uh, pastor, he said, I, I want to, I want you to pray for me that, that, that God will use me like he uses you. And so I told him, I said, brother, are you really, do you really want me to pray that on you? I said, do you want me to pray that you're only going to average about four hours of sleep? Do you want me to want me to pray that your phone is going to ring continuously with people with needs? Do you want me to pray that that all these people with all these problems are always going to be? Is that what you really want me to pray? Do you want me to pray that uh, uh, pray for you that you're going to have to spend hours in the Word of God, that you're going to have to to, to 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 contend with the adversary on a daily basis, and you're going to have to fight through physical struggles? Is that what you want me to pray upon you? Is that what you want? And you don't see his face. He's like, you know, I guess he thought you'd just get up and you just bust it open and it's right there. Folks, listen, there is a labor in it, but there's a help in our infirmities on that personal Savior that's coming to our life that's enabled us. Do you want me to pray that your knees are going to be shaken when you go into a place that you're unfamiliar with and you're going to have to step out of yourself and step into the boldness of the Holy Ghost? Is that what you want me to pray? That God's going to send you places that, that people around you are going to spit in your face and they're going to curse you. Is that really what you want? But folks, listen, if you step out in obedience and faith, and you take that other end of what God has, and that He's bore the burden, God will strengthen you. But you've got to be willing to get up, you've got to be willing to step up, you've got to be willing to speak up, and you've got to be willing to wake up and begin to obey the things that God has told you to do, then God will raise you up. If you're faithful in that day, God will lift you up. God will exalt you in due season. God will recognize those things. But only if you're faithful, amen, to grab a hold of that end that He is trying to help you to carry and so this 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 trust doesn't doesn't come from sitting back this trust comes from pressing in i trust him because i've had to press into His trust. I, I, I love Him because I've had to press into His love. I I, I I follow Him because I've had to press into His voice. And folks, folks, listen, that comes from pressing in. When no one else is pressing in, you press in. When no one else believes, you believe. When, when no one else is willing to get up and do the dirty work, you get up and do the dirty work. Whatever it is that God is saying, you press in and what happens? Then you begin to see that He's carrying the weight. How do you do what you do? I don't do it. I just hold on to the other end and He's carrying the weight. Well, well, uh, how do you pray like you pray? I don't. I just hold on to the other end. And, and, and He helps my infirmities. Well, well. how do you preach like you preach? I don't. I just hold on to faithfulness. And He says, just open your mouth and I'll, and I'll feel it. Well, how do you see so many people get saved? Well, I don't. I just go out there and I'm obedient to go. And He's obedient to change the, the hearts of people. Folks, listen. The Spirit itself, He has come in to help our infirmities, to those weaknesses. And listen what it says in Mark chapter 2, uh, uh, verses 1-5. through five. Mark 2, 1-5. And it says, And again He entered into compassion pernum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house somebody say that he's in the house wow. And immediately it says, Many gathered together so that there was no longer room to even receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to him. In other words, they packed the place out. Then listen to what it says in verse 4. It says, When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they tore open the roof where he was, so that when they would broken through, they let down the bed on which that, their paralytic friend was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, Your sins are forgiven you. Folks, listen. Sometimes you've got to be like the friend of the paralyzed man you got to say listen it doesn't look like I can get in it looks like the door is crowded rather than saying God you know what I guess I'll just come back another time because you don't have you don't have time for me I know that you're busy with all these things folks listen you know who I'm like I'm like the friend of the, the uh, I'm like the friend of the paralyzed man on the bed. I say, Lord God, listen, I, I know what you said, and so if I have to tear open the roof, I'm going to tear open the roof. I know that I may, may make, make a mess of things, but listen, I've got an issue here that needs to be dealt with. I know that there's a crowd and I know there's other people de- dem- demanding your time, but if I've got to open it up and drop it at your feet, I'm going to drop it at your feet because I know even if I drop it at your feet, you're going to raise that problem up in that day that I'm willing to trust And it also says in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, John 5, 1 through 9, it says, "...after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem." And it says, "...now there is the Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches." And it says, "...there laid at this pool impotent folks." It says, "...blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water." How many of it say, it says there's a multitude, a ton of people gathered this place. And what are they sitting there? They're sitting there waiting for the moving of the water. They're waiting for something to happen. And it says, that for an angel came down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And it says, whosoever then first after the troubled water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. But they said, there was a certain man which had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had been there a long time in that case. And Jesus said, will you be made whole? How did he know he'd been there? Folks, listen, he'd been sitting there for 38 years. He had been sitting there so long, probably it looked like a, it looked like a crime scene striped uh, around him on the pavement where he was laying. But it says multitudes came and they were just waiting. They were waiting for the troubling of the water. Folks, sometimes you need to get up. And so Jesus said, He told the impotent man, would you be made whole? And the impotent man had the same excuse. Well, well, sir, I, I don't have anybody to help me when the water is troubled. You know, I want to get into the pool, but while I'm trying to get there, somebody else steps down ahead of me. And Jesus said unto him, what you need to do is you need to rise Take up your bed and walk. Notice that Jesus helped with his infirmities. He didn't say, "Okay, I tell you what, I'm going to step here, and when the angel comes, I'm going to shove you in the water real quick." What did Jesus say? He said, "I'm going to help you." So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you your word for this moment, and I'm going to tell you you need to rise up. You need to take up your bed. The, those excuses that you've been laying on, that laziness that you've been sleeping on, those problems that you've been you 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 found yourself comfortable for all those uh, those years. You need to uh, you need to get up. You need to pick that mess up, and you need to begin to walk. And he said boom, immediately that the man was made whole and he took up his bed and walked and on the same day was the Sabbath. Folks, listen, when, when the Spirit comes and He wants to help your infirmities, what He comes with, He says, listen, I'm going to give you a word, but you're going to have to get up. I'm going to give you a word, but you're going to have to pray. I'm going to give you a word, but you're going to have to press. And when you do it, there's an immediacy that comes into your obedience. And God is going to empower you. It says that strength came into your legs and He began to walk. And so, That's the second thing. And so the third thing that the Spirit does in addition to indwelling us and helping us is it says He helps our infirmities. And this kind of ties those first two things together. And so the word that's translated infirmities, and it says he, he, He helps those areas in our life that need strength. Okay? He helps those areas in our life that need strength. So let me ask you a question today. Are there areas in your life that you need strength in? Maybe you need strength in your thought life. Maybe you need strength in your faith. Maybe you need strength in your study of the Word. Maybe you need strength in your prayer life. Maybe you need strength in a relationship. He said the Spirit helps us in those infirmities. He helps our infirmities, or those places that we're, we're weak. And what's interesting about this, within the context of this, he said the area of uh, uh, need of strength or of power and in prayer. And he says likewise the Spirit helps our infirmities. He, he helps us in those areas that we need, and he specifically, we know not what we should pray, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for the, so the context of that, he helps our, our weaknesses in the area of the power of prayer. And so folks, listen, infirmities can speak of physical issues, it can speak of sickness, we prayed for the sick today, believe in God for miracles, but basically it's used in the context of any, uh, issue where strength or power is needed, period. And the Holy Spirit has come to empower you, especially empower you in the realm of prayer. Folks, you hear what I'm saying? And so he wants to come and dwell you and empower you in the in the realm of prayer. Because I tell you what, if you've got a prayer a strong prayer life, you're going to have a strong witnessing life. If you've got a strong prayer life, you're going to have a strong word life. If you've got a strong prayer life, you're going to have a strong marriage. If you have a strong prayer life, everything that you do is going to radiate from that in, in, in strength and in power. And so he says, listen, the Spirit comes and he wants to empower you. He wants to strengthen your infirmities, those places that you're weak. And so, folks, what he does, he qualifies that with the next part of the verse. He says, the reason being is because we don't know how we ought to pray as we should or as we ought and that word where he says as we ought in the the King James and the Greek version of that is we know not how we should pray the way that we should and we don't know what is necessary in the case of what we are needing folks sometimes listen we don't even know what we need to pray we don't. We, we want to pray everything else. We think that, that our prayer life should be, Lord God, here's what I want. I want this much money. I want this biggest house. I want this kind of car. Folks, listen, we don't know what we should pray. What we need to begin to pray is for the holiness and the power, the directed of God, the passion of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. In other words, some things are beyond our comprehension or grasp and we need the Spirit that transcends the limitations of our finite understanding to literally come in and, 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 to, and to be the strength where we fall short. And so, Here's where he makes that word intercession. See, so you hear people talk about, well, I'm an intercessory prayer warrior. I, I, I want you to intercede for me. I want you to, to uh, let's go to, we're going to an intercession uh, service or whatever else. Folks, listen, to intercede literally means to make a petition on behalf of another or and go on behalf of another. And so if I'm interceding, that means I'm making a petition on behalf of somebody else. You hear me? Or if I'm going somewhere and I'm doing something on behalf of someone else. And folks, listen, that is such an element that is, once again, largely missing in the lives of most believers because most are not looking for stand to stand for someone else. Most are looking for somebody to stand for them. They don't say, listen, you're weak, I'm going I'm to stand for you. But the Spirit sets that example by indwelling us. He says, listen, I'm going to stand where you're weak, that way you can stand for somebody else when they're weak. Folks, listen, a number of years ago when I was pastoring in Texas, I was praying, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, it's not enough just to be evangelistic. He said, you've also got to be altruistic. and you Or otherwise, the word altruism means that you live your life for the benefit of other people. And he told me in prayer, he said, listen, Christianity is not seeing what you can get. Uh, Christianity is seeing what you can give how you can pour your life out. Living your life for the benefit of someone else. And so I'll just ask you the question. Whose life are you living your, your life for? Are you living it for your benefit? Is your prayer prayer life basically characterized by, Lord God, here's all my needs. Or do you say to yourself, you know what? You know my needs, Lord God, and I may get to them later. But listen, i got a friend of mine that I just want to stand in agreement. I've got this brother on Long Island, Joey Basta, who doesn't have a place to live. He wants to be involved in our ministry in Long Island. But Lord Jesus, he's going to have to sleep in his car. And Lord God, that's not okay with me. So we're going to 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 pray that God you'll give him wisdom you'll give him understanding Lord God you'll give him favor with somebody Lord God that's going to stand in the gap Lord God I want to pray that's what that's what intercession is and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us it looks and it says listen I need I got somebody that needs some some uh some resources, you know, they're struggling. You know, my, my sister is here today, and she needs a physical touch from the Lord. She don't want to go through surgery. So, Lord God, I may have some physical problems, but Lord God, today, I'm laying that stuff aside, and I'm praying for her. I'm praying for her victory. I'm praying for, 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 for her to be able to overcome. And so that's what's so missing in the body of Christ. We're saying, okay, let me get mine, and if I have any scraps, I'll give them to you. Or if I've got, if I've got something. Listen, what the Lord spoke to me, he said, most of what I have belongs to someone else anyway. Most of what he's entrusted me with, he strictly entrusted me with it to be a caretaker until he tells me who to give it to. So let me ask you this. Are you living your life for you? Or are you living it for someone else? Do you get up for you or do you get up saying to yourself, Lord God, what do you want me to do today? What life do you want me to impact today? Who do you want me to speak to? Who can I pray for, Lord God? Am I going to work just to get that, that, uh, get that check and am I going just so I can live the American dream? Or Lord God, am I going to work and so that I can be your hands and feet in that environment? Can I pray for my boss? Can I pray for my, my coworker? Who's gonna come in today that's struggling and they just had a fight with their spouse the night before and I'm gonna pray and give them the word of God? Who's, who am I living it for? Am I living it for me? Am I living it for that promotion? Or am I living it, Lord God, for that obedience for you? The Scripture says in John fifteen thirteen, it says, Greater love has no man than this, than a man that is willing to lay down his life for his friend. To, to intercede on behalf of someone else. To, to give it up for someone else. To do something. You know, I, I have people saying, and I'll ask them, Pardon? I'll have people all the time, Am my back, always around the same time, Anyway, folks, listen, no greater love is any man known than the ones willing to lay down his life for a friend. And so the question has to be, who's, who are you living your life for? Are you living your life with the example of Christ Jesus, just like the Holy Spirit came in and helped our infirmities? Then he goes on to say, he did, uh, in Matthew ten thirty nine, Matthew 10.39, it says, He that finds his life will lose it, but he that loses his life for Christ's sake will find it then I want to read the whole of 8.26 again. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought to, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And So that last part of this verse, with groanings that cannot be uttered, literally what it's talking about, is, it's, it's it's it speaks of several things. And one of the things that it speaks of is we talked about concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with that evidentiary gift of speaking in other tongues. And so what this is, this is, the, 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 this is literally words of intercession. He that speaks in a no tongue does not speak unto men, but speaks unto God, and even though his understanding is unfruitful that he is built up according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And so it's intercession or it's, it can be uh, uh, defined as words that cannot be articulated in a normal speaking voice. And so what the Spirit does when we get filled with the Spirit according to uh, the promise of Acts 1 and 8 according to the promise of John 14 of John 16 of Luke chapter 24 of Acts 2 and 4 and when we have that promise of that the Spirit literally intercedes through us in that capacity. But it goes on further in this issue and we, we talked about that issue a couple of weeks and you can go back and get that, that, that tape. But literally, it's talking about this issue of groaning. And so a groaning literally means a cry. There's a cry that comes out of us. And folks, listen, I, I believe that something's happened. There's just way too much dry-eyed religion. There's there's no weeping for the lost. There's no concern. There's no being moved with compassion. There's no going into a place and thinking, God, you know what? Does that young woman over there that that, that obviously is leaving, living a promiscuous life, till, does she know Jesus? Or this young man, Lord God, I know that he's getting involved with, with, with drugs and rebellion, but does he know Jesus, Lord God? What can I do? How can I, I help him? There's been too much dry-eyed religion. No weeping for the lost. No crying out for the dying. No no having our hearts broken and, and willing to pay the price and going the extra mile to bring people in the kingdom. So, folks, listen. The heart of the church has not been that of brokenness, but it's been that of callousness. The hearts have been hardened. They've been seared over with a hot iron, and they'll look at the hungry, and they wouldn't want to feed them. They'll look at the broken, and they wouldn't want to comfort them. They'll look at the homeless, and they'll say, well, that's just some... Uh, uh, some some person that just is probably a drunken alcoholic. Yeah, they probably are, but they're just as lost as you and I were before we came to the cross of Calvary. And so, think about this: there's got to come that point where we're crying out to God. Where we're just there's just a, a collective groan from inside of us, the saying, Lord God. I don't know how to do it, Lord God, but I'm crying out to you. There's there's got to be a breakthrough. But Psalms one twenty six and five says this: It says, "They that sow in tears shall be shall reap in joy." What's happened in the last few years, you get all these people that want to reap in joy, but they never want to sow in tears. They want to go, and there was this big laughing movement a number of years ago, and everybody went, and they got, they laughed, but there was no crying out for the lost and for the dying. What happened to that movement? I don't hear about it anymore. If it was a Jesus movement, what He does never ends. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He's the Lord God, and He does not change. I tell people, listen, that stuff's going to play out, because they're going to find there ain't nothing funny about it. People dying and going to hell every single second of every single day. When we begin to weep and cry out and, and grab a hold of the horns of the altar and begin to pray and intercede for our neighborhoods and for our, our cities and for our families and for our churches then we're going to get the heart of Jesus and then we're going to see the Spirit helping our weaknesses and we know not what we should pray but the Spirit is going to make intercession for us with those groanings that cannot be uttered sometimes you just don't know what you can say and in Psalms 30 and 5 Psalms 30 and 5 says weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning but when I begin to, to weep and cry out and intercession The Spirit of God to speak through me and to, to give me His heart of compassion. Then there's an expectancy at the end of it that God's going to show up and show out and transform people's lives. Then finally, Psalms chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. He says, I am weary with my groanings. All the night I make my bed to swim. He said, I water my couch with my tears. In other words, I'm just crying out to God to the degree, literally, that I'm soaking everything in front of me. My eyes consumed because of grief, they wax old because of my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Listen to me. And he's heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Folks, listen. You need to begin to cry out to God and say, God, I want you to hear the voice of my weeping. I want you to hear me crying out with a broken heart. I want the Spirit that is, that is broken for me to come and break me for other people. I want to, to understand that He's making intercession through me to transform me that I might go reach somebody else for His kingdom and by His glory. Folks, listen. We've got the Spirit of God that's come inside of us that helps our weaknesses. But we've got to come to that point. Maybe you just need to take that extra time to fast and pray to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ in a more intimate way. If your faith has been dry-eyed, if you've not been moved with compassion, if you're so consumed with your, your problems and your hardship, listen, you're missing it, folks. You're missing it. You're setting back. He wants to help you. But you've got to pick up that end and, and, and because He's waiting to mature you to bring you to that place of victory. Folks, listen, we are totally out of time here today. But it is Friday and we will be back on Monday at 9 o'clock uh, a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have any questions, you want to stick around, we'll be here even though the picture will be frozen. and But we will be here to answer your question. You can type any of those in. And Deb's going to type in my telephone number as well. It 202 If you have any questions, comments, you have any prayer requests, you can call five zero four two zero two zero nine three nine, or you can email your prayer request at pray P-R-A-Y at biggrace.com. And we do have people that cry out and believe and fast and pray for your needs and for that God to strengthen you in those areas. I've got one bit of advice for you today, folks. Get into God's Word, and God's Word will get into you.